Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Midweek Reflection Podcast by Trinity Baptist Church in Newton, North Carolina. My name is Andrew Barrett, and I pastor here at Trinity. And it is our hope that in these reflections, the same Word of God that sends us from church into the week will also meet us in the week to sustain us along the way. Thank you for finding our podcast and for listening to it. And now, here is today's reflection. John 14 through 17 make up what is known in the Gospel of John as Jesus' farewell discourse. In it, Jesus offers a number of promises, instructions, and assurances to his disciples, concluding in John 17 with what has come to be known as the High Priestly Prayer. The farewell discourse is worthy of prolonged reflection by every Christian. This is Jesus at his most affectionate and pastoral. Even though he speaks with a sense of urgency, he nevertheless speaks with kindness and comfort, twice telling the disciples, let not your hearts be troubled, because while his departure from the world would be painful, the arrival of the Holy Spirit, which is one of, if not the main themes of the discourse, will turn the disciples' sorrow into joy. But the disciples were, and indeed would be, troubled and sorrowful. Jesus was leaving, and his departure would be violent. What were the disciples to do? As Peter asks Jesus earlier in the gospel, To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And besides that, the disciples loved Jesus. He was their Lord, yes, but also their friend, their companion. How could he suggest that they be untroubled by his leaving? Because, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. The disciples will not be alone. They will not be orphaned. Though Jesus is leaving, he will come back to them. And the evangelical impulse here is to interpret this verse as a promise of Jesus' second coming. So, I will come to you means that Jesus will come from the right hand of the Father to judge the living and the dead. And this is, of course, true. The church has proclaimed since her inception that Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. In the context of John 14 to 17, however, I think that Jesus is referring to a more imminent coming. He is leaving, but the Holy Spirit, His Holy Spirit, is coming. While the Word will no longer dwell among His people, the Spirit is coming to be with you forever, Jesus says, and He, He continues, dwells with you. By the Spirit, The presence of the Lord Jesus Christ takes up residence in the hearts of those who believe in him. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is an intimate expression of Jesus' love for us. We are not without Jesus, because Jesus, by his Spirit, is within us. The effect of this presence is that we are not spiritual orphans, 
but have been given, as John says in the prologue of his gospel, the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Receiving the Spirit of the Lord Jesus means receiving, as Paul says, the Spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. By the Spirit, we are given the right to call God Abba, which means Daddy or Papa. This is a level of intimacy with the Father that we would think is reserved for the Son. And we're right to think so. It is reserved for the Son. And that is the wonder of Jesus' promise. By his Spirit, we are adopted into God's family and enjoy, just like him, the privileges of sonship. Now, let me say a word on sonship. And this, I admit, is a little besides the point, but not totally. Several Bible translations, including my translation of choice, the English Standard Version, tend to translate certain plural nouns in the masculine instead of providing a gender-inclusive rendering. For example, Paul asks in 1 Corinthians 14, 26, What then, brothers? But the Greek word here translated brothers, which is pronounced adelphoi, could just as well be translated brothers and sisters. And generally speaking, I prefer to say brothers and sisters when the Greek text of the New Testament permits it. I think it's helpful to the spiritualities of our sisters in Christ to hear their gender represented in the biblical text. However, I think there is a certain power in the ESV's gender-specific rendering of passages that refer to the Christian's adoption into God's family as sons instead of sons and daughters. Biblical culture was patriarchal in nature meaning that males enjoyed a privileged status, not just in culture, but also in families. To be a son was to be of a higher household status than to be a daughter. In our culture, that is, of course, an offensive or weird notion. Good parents love all of their children and do not favor their sons over their daughters. But while Paul's letters have been canonized as scripture for all times and cultures, they were nevertheless written in a specific time and culture. Paul used the language available to him to reveal God to us, and it is the responsibility of wise biblical interpreters to attend to what words and concepts meant in his time instead of projecting what they mean in our own. For Paul to say that women are adopted into God's family as daughters in his culture would be to suggest that men held a higher status in God's household than women did. And that's not the point Paul wants to make. Paul is, in fact, subverting cultural norms. The profundity of his language in passages like Romans 8 and Galatians 4 is that in the family of God, women enjoy the privileges of sons. They are equal to their brothers in Christ in the eyes of the Father. So in all of this, it remains the case that Jesus is not, for the time being, present with and to us in person. So I, like many of you, share in the prayer of the church for that day, saying, Amen, come, Lord Jesus. Yet Jesus is present with us in spirit. 
And by the Spirit, we have not been left as orphans, but have been adopted as children of God the Father, who loves his children and is attentive and accessible to them. Jesus has given us by the Spirit the gift of participation in triune fellowship. All that remains for us is to go and claim our inheritance.